Just Go With It is a podcast hosted by two millennials who swear. And also, it's about horror films, so listener discretion is advised. We will put specific content warnings in the show notes. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> I know what you did. <laughs> it's a good SNL cut. It is. <laughs> I'm just going to start the episode there so we have a reason to put it in the show notes. <laughs> That's on Papyrus. Papyrus. <laughs> I know what you did. Noodle. <clears throat> we have some very strong opinions right now. Speaking of strong opinions. Oh. <laughs> We're doing the conjuring. We are doing the conjuring. I hope you were ready because I was just like... I'm ready. I'm emotionally prepared for The Conjuring month and also this episode of The Conjuring. And specifically today is just The Conjuring. Just The Conjuring. Before it was a universe. Just The Conjuring. And I hope you're also ready because I took a lot of notes this time. Hell yeah. Hold on. I just realized that I've lied to you. What I've done is I've taken a lot of notes after the movie. (laughs) Did I take any during? No, 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 no. (laughs) Do I remember the kids' names? No. Absolutely not. Uh, where is it? I put a note. Ah, let me tell you now. I will not get any of these girls' names right. <laughs> okay, good. So it's not just me. I, like, wrote down a cheat sheet of their names. That's good. Yeah. I, uh, just gave up right there away. There's five as soon of them. As- There's five! And a mom and a dad. Yeah. And then two investigators and then more. And a cop. Get out. Get out. I thought I was supposed to remember these names. Get the fuck out of here. <sighs> okay, do you want some facts? Always. Okay. Let me get to the facts. Nice little page turn for you. It was made in 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was directed by James. Do you know if it's James Wan or James Wan? I think it's James Wan, I but I James haven't well. listened to someone say it, so I'm I not know. positive. I meant to look up an, an interview and then I forgot, but I think it's James Wan. If I'm wrong, let me know. Uh, he's also the co-creator of Saw and Insidious, which, wild. I don't know why. Saw just feels really different than this, but I guess it's very cinema cinematic, so maybe not. I don't know. Uh, it was written by Chad and Carrie Hayes. They wrote House of Wax, which I've never seen. But the one with Paris Hilton? Yeah. Huh. I right? haven't seen it either. I haven't seen it, but everyone I'd say is like, the Paris Hilton one? I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, and The Reaping. I also don't know that one. I have not you seen don't? it. Okay. I haven't seen Saw or Insidious either. So really? really? Insidious yeah. is quite good. I actually like the first Saw movie. I don't like other ones. Okay. You know, because like, then mean, it gets into that like torture porn, which I'm not into. Yeah. This, the first one is very much like, not bad. It's got a plot. Which okay. Like, All right. So good on you, Chad and Carrie Hayes, for doing at least... Wait. They didn't do Saw. James Wan did. I'm sorry, everyone. It's <laughs> <laughs> my bad on that. Um, here's a fun fact about them. They also starred in double mint gum commercials as kids. They're twins. Oh, <laughs> twinses. So, yeah. Uh, the cinematography was John Robert Leonetti. Hmm. He directed Annabelle, which, good for him, moving on up. Uh, and then he did cinematographer a lot of other things. <laughs> Specifically, he did cinematography for The Mask. Oh, no. Starring Jim Carrey. No. And I thought that was very funny. Because these movies could not be uh, more different. Mm-hmm. And now I want to watch both of them and compare and be like, I can really see the inspiration. <laughs> 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 oh, I love The Mask. Okay. And the music was... Um, Apparently, I, I only wrote his last name. I wrote Bishara. <laughs> and That's not his name. first name. So everybody, John. 
<laughs> you know what? Maybe. Maybe? Bishar is his last name. Okay. He works on mostly horror movies, um, but he was a producer for Repo the Genetic Opera, which I oh, was like... I brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, because I don't know it, but I, I was like, Kate brought this up, so mm-hmm. he was a producer on that. Nice. And he has a first name, and I'd sure love to tell you what? all. I'll dub it in later. This is Nikki from the future. His name is Joseph. Uh-huh. I'll just be like, blah, 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 Bishar. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying the last name right, but. Uh, And then the budget was $20 million. Do you know how much it made? I did at one point. I have no fucking clue. So I'm going to guess 70 million. 319.5 million. Oh, I was close. (laughs) Usually you go way up. So I was like, this is perfect for Kate. I I was like, this is it. I've been burned before, okay? (laughs) I don't trust myself. It was just, I was ready. I was like, she's going to nail it on this one. She never will. You will someday. <laughs> no, that's not, you said it right perfectly one time. Get out of here. <laughs> um, and I have a surprise for you. I'm not done. Do you want to know why? Uh, yeah. We have our second installment of Haunted Movie Sets. Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> oh. I'm so excited. I looked up the notes and then I like my, my usual, you know, quick notes and then i was like wait a minute i think this might be haunted so i looked it up it is so i'm gonna tell you all the things that happened specifically on just this movie set i do have a few facts from like other ones but since we might i probably won't do like a thing for each one just but like but keep in mind this one is the most haunted most likely but like two the conjuring two Mm -hmm. was also a little and then annabelle so first of all <clears throat> apparently Patrick Wilson gained like an interest in the paranormal because of this movie. Oh, wow. He, I, I think he, it was said that he like kind of already did a little bit and then he started doing these movies and he was like, now I really do. <laughs> so that man loves a ghost. Um, There's you one thing you gotta know one about thing you Patrick gotta Wilson. gotta know about Patrick Wilson is he loves a ghost. <laughs> Patrick Wilson loves a ghost. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everything comes back to Glass Shark eventually. Everything comes back to Glass Shark. We'll post it. We'll post um, it. Vera Farmiga. Am I saying that right? Sure. Vera Farmiga. I listen. I thought I knew the Vera. It's the Farmiga part that I'm really not sure about. It's like, is it Farmiga? Farmiga. I think it's Farmiga. No so, idea. Who knows? Internet probably knows, and I, you know, mm-hmm. we'll figure that out. We'll tell uh, us. She apparently started waking up between three and four a.m. every single morning. The witching hour. Yeah. Apparently, it's also known as the demonic hour. Mm. Uh, and that started. As soon as they started filming. So like once they started filming, she apparently every night, every morning would wake up three between three and four. Um, and she brought it up to James Wan and was just like, hey, like this is happening. And he was just like, okay. <laughs> apparently he was like, cool. Apparently he was very like calm about all of these hauntings and very much just could not be bothered. He was just like, interesting. <laughs> How weird. Not mm-hmm. like he didn't care. I think he was just like, okay, cool. Like <laughs> um, she said she had trouble sleeping even after the movie had like finished. Um, she also claims that she was talking to James Wan about the movie. She was talking about her role and how, like, right when she got it, basically, to be like, yes, I'm excited about this role. I guess she had mentioned, like, I want Patrick Wilson to be, you know, to Mm -hmm. play Ed Warren. And then right after, apparently, I don't know what this means. She had digital claw marks on her screen. Three, apparently she had three, like, scratches on her, like, screen. Is what she, it just says digital claw marks. That's so weird. Very strange. Pixels across the screen. Kind of. Like like a scratch. Yeah. Like how you would maybe like, if you like 
push it too hard, like if your computer gets a little like smashed, you get those like weird lines. So mm-hmm. apparently she had digital claw marks on her screen right after talking to him about her role in the movie. Wowza. And then it doesn't end there. She also said <clears throat> that right after they ended filming, the day that they ended filming, she woke up with uh, three claw marks on her leg, like a bruise, like three little lines. Uh, she said it didn't hurt, apparently. She said that it just appeared and it looked like nails. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and then, another fun thing, when the real parent family came to visit, they said that it was eerie how realistic the movie, or the movie, the house looked. And, like, mm. everything seemed extremely close to, like, what they had, you know, experienced and everything. Uh, and then one of the daughters, uh, it doesn't say which one, but she's, like, an adult now unless it was like a granddaughter but it was one of the children either one of the children from the original haunting or one of their children one of the children from this family said something really bad is going to happen here today to the (gasps) writers of the movie oh and then that day their mother from this movie the one who experienced the haunting she fell and she broke her hip and she was the only person not to visit set that day oh god yeah so that was weird yeah (laughs) uh and then uh, this is the last one, uh, the artifact room from the Warren's mm, basement yeah, yeah, yeah. area. Apparently that is like, it's a very intricate and like well done recreation of like their actual room. Oh. And they have a lot of recreations of actual artifacts that they have. And one of them is a small wooden pig, apparently. Um, and it's said that... I think it was the writers and also um, not the director, but someone else who worked on the film said that it would just move around. Like you would put it somewhere and be like, okay, that's, that's where the pig is. And then they would come back and all of a sudden it would be somewhere else in the house. And they'd be like, okay, who's moving the pig? And then they would like put it back and it would just keep moving like the whole time, apparently. Uh, And I didn't mention this one in my notes, but I read about it. So I'll say it, but it's really weird. Um, The writers of the movie, the brothers, they were on set most of the time, which means that their wives were usually at home. And he said when he was on set, his wife was experiencing this weird water spot that was appearing in their house. Uh, And she thought like, oh, it's just like concrete, it's wet, whatever. So she cleaned it up and then it kept appearing in the same spot over and over again, no matter how much they cleaned it. And then eventually it just like stopped and like went away. But she said when he was on set and she was there, yeah, they said that's why they write about horror movies and they don't write horror movies themselves because they think stuff gets like attached. <laughs> oh, wowza. So that is uh, like the haunting sort of. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about the second one because it's not as in-depth. Okay. So the second one is actually on like a set um, like within the Warner Studios lot mm. and stuff. And according to the security guard who has worked there, that set itself is haunted. Um, so he said a lot of times what you'll hear is underneath the set, you'll hear hammering and like people working and people doing stuff when like no one's there. And like when it's closed, uh, and stuff will move around. So it was haunted, but kind of not because of the movie, kind of just because the set itself was already haunted. Yeah. But that is the haunting of the conjuring set. Haunted movie sets. Haunted movie sets. That's super cool. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) You ready? Well, time already now? it's time for oh, you no. i was like you're looking at me like i'm gonna do something this is all you <laughs> damn it i got excited about the movie sets okay one sentence mm-hmm. a witch haunts a house 
and then haunts a mom and she tries to kill her kids. That is a masterful summary. Not, not yeah. bad. You yeah. got all of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, minus Ed and Lorraine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time for them. I don't have time for them. It's one sentence. That's fair. Get out of here, Ed and Lorraine. But but <sighs> you stay, Lorraine. Ed, you can go. Lorraine, you can stay. You don't like Ed? He's fine. I don't know anything about Ed. I don't know anything about Lorraine, really. Oh, no. This is just based on Patrick Wilson and Vera <laughs> <I>, Farmiga. <laughs> really strong opinions no. about Ed and Lorraine Warren. <laughs> and I was like, tell me. Oh, no. I only vaguely know that they're real humans that and, probably lied about everything. Kind of lied about everything. Yeah. We'll talk about that some other time, maybe. But maybe. sadly. Um, yeah, she can say. Very for me, you can say I love mm-hmm. her with all She's my heart. Alive. Yep. Um, sweet little psychic. <laughs> A sweet, haunted little psychic. Oh, beautiful. She's got those sad eyes. She really does. Every time she looked at anything, I was like, no. No. She's so sad. (laughs) She doesn't like anything here. No. She is not having a good time. She really... Patrick Patrick Wilson or Ed was having a great fucking time. He's like, I want to work on the Chevy. Yeah, he was like, I want to go work on this car. He's like, oh my god, they brought me pancakes. While poor Lorraine is walking around like, I just saw ghosts. <laughs> I saw a dark presence attached to every member of the family. <laughs> and she was like, I'm haunted. And he was like, I'm eating pancakes. <laughs> Classic men. Yeah. All right. We need a real summary. Okay, this is courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes. Beautiful. In 1970, paranormal investigators and demonologists Lorraine and Ed Warren are summoned to the home of Carolyn and Roger Perrin. The Perrins and their five daughters have recently moved into a secluded farmhouse where a supernatural presence has made itself known. Through the manifestation, nope, though the manifestations are relatively benign at first, events soon escalate in horrifying fashion, especially after the Warrens discover the house's macabre history. Spooky. So scary. Yeah. I always secretly hope that someone will discover macabre history of the apartment that I live in Mm. just so I can be like, yeah, it's haunted. Other than that, there's just nothing interesting here. We have a haunted doll. Hi, Angie. Hi, Angie. I can't see her, but I really hope she's there. God, she's not. If she's not there, we're in trouble. We have said nothing but kind things about Angie. It would be our friends that have, you know. Oh, my God. So the people who have come over and said mean things to Angie – You'll get your comeuppance, yep. okay? Don't um, know what it'll look like, but... Uh, not me. I love you, Angie. I love you. I still can't Angie, see her. Angie, I love you. I, I just want to catch her glimpse of her foot so I know. I'm really just waiting on you to see our haunted doll. Oh, I see your dress. Okay, I we're see good. your dress. Everything's sunflowers fine. don't lie. Woo! I got really worried for a second there. That's fair. She's good. Love you. Okay. Kiss, kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Every night I blow a kiss to Angie. <laughs> okay. We've done the haunting, mm-hmm. we've done my shitty notes, and we've done my horrible, horrible summary, and your very good summary. So now it's time for Nerd Corner. Nerd Corner. I'm so excited. Okay. So uh, basically, we've said it before, but we're going to be doing a lot of Conjuring movies. So I am going to start talking about some things, but not finish talking about all no, of them. No, a sequel! Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So... This week, I'm going to be focusing on the rating of the movie mm-hmm. and the reception of it based on that. And then what scary is? What is scary? What are frogs? What are frogs? 
So The Conjuring had the best opening weekend for, or just best opening for an R-rated horror film ever. Really? Yes. Holy shit. As of that moment, I don't know after 2013, but when it came out, it had had the best debut of any R-rated horror film. I think the only thing that I can think that may have beat it recently would be It. The new mm, one. Yeah. Not the second one, but like the very first one. Yeah, probably. I think that's the only one I could think that maybe. Yeah. But I remember when this movie came out, I was fucking pumped. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to dig into why. Yeah. So there are several components that I have to get to. But first, I want to look at the R rating itself mm-hmm. and then introduce a few theories as to why people watch scary movies. But again, I'm going to tease the shit out of it, but not actually explain that part. You, bitch. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> so let's see. First off. I've been saying MPAA, but that's according to some an outdated version mm-hmm. and also not not incredibly specific, like actually talking about who reviews them. So yeah. MPAA originally stood for Motion Picture Association of America, but now it's just the MPA. They chopped off the of America. Get out of here. There's also CARA. I don't know if it's CARA or CARA. I'm not actually that pressed to like be right about it. <laughs> pressed. <laughs> so there's also CARA, part of the MPA. CARA stands for Classification and Rating Administration. Oh. They're the ones that view and rate the movies on a scale from G to NC-17. Oh. G movies are rated fine for general audiences. These Love are it. Yep. These are the ones that don't have any specific guidance for parents uh, on sensitive content. Yeah. PG means parental guidance is suggested because mm-hmm. some material in the movie may not be considered suitable for children. PG-13 equals parents strongly cautioned. They should definitely consider the content, and children under 13 probably shouldn't watch it. Notably, this category did not exist until 1984. (laughs) Sorry, poltergeist kids. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. And then R is restricted. No one under the age of 17 will be allowed in without an adult guardian. And NC-17 means that no one 17 years or younger will be admitted regardless of an adult guardian's presence. So oh, even shit. if, yeah, if it's NC-17 and you're like 16 or 17 and your parents like, I vouch for them, they're going to watch this with me, like, they would be turned away. No. They have to be <laughs> 18 to see an NC-17. I don't think I've ever, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen like anything rated NC-17. I don't I know I can't even I think of one that's I've, like, that's wild. And I don't think I've ever been, you know how like they're supposed to card you when you go yeah. to like an R movie. But as a kid, I was always like, I'm just going to go. I even used to get like fake tickets. I'm like, they don't care. But I used to be like, I have a ticket to Big Fat Liar. And then I'd go see like whatever the fuck was rated R that time. <laughs> Incredible. Are you going to make noises like that the whole time? I guess we'll just take a pause. I'm just going to wait out this power move. <sighs> My cat thinks that it, they can just come in here and make whatever sound they want. How wrong are they? <laughs> They're not at all wrong. <laughs> they can do literally anything they want. They win. All right, Noodle's done. (laughs) He just kind of like pranced away. It was perfect. Okay. Nasty boy. So a lot of people think that NC-17 means it's like inherently pornographic, but Mm -hmm. that's not the case. NC-17 can be for violence, quote unquote, aberrant behavior and drug use, as well as sexual content. Yeah. So that's a brief overview of the categories. But what criteria do they use? Yeah. They look at violence, nudity, substances, language, and sex. In the rating guide, Cara basically says that the rating isn't meant to speak to what familial values should be or make any political point, but are instead a starting point for how parents should approach showing the film to children or evaluate the suitability of the movie for their family. Right. Also, the ratings are really fucking arbitrary because it's based on changing perceptions and context, and it's up to humans using their opinions. (laughs) So, and probably not a diverse group of humans either. So, grain of salt. Big old margarita grain of salt. So, now to our movie. The Conjuring was rated R by the MPAA. Or MPA. 
whatever. Because people still use both, even though yeah. it's technically MPA now. Interesting. Anyway, okay. There is no nudity in the movie. Oh, they yeah, mention okay. sex. They don't show it. There are only a few instances of mild profanity. Certainly no F-bombs. They say, like, shit and goddamn Oh, right yeah. There. You're right. And there's very little gore. The most blood we see is on a sheet over the face of Carolyn during the exorcism. Huh. But the MPA description of the rating gave the following reason. Sequences of disturbing violence and terror. Again, (laughs) very little blood, hella terror. Fair enough. Yeah. Quite scary. That's where we get into the marketing of the movie. The producer, Walter Hamada, said in an interview, when we sent it to the MPA, they gave us the R rating. When we asked them why, they basically said, it's just so scary. There are no specific scenes or tone you could take out to get to PG-13. And if this was like an intentional move by Hamada, it was pretty fucking brilliant. So it's really, really important to get a lot of buzz for an R-rated movie because they often don't do as well in ticket sales as PG-13 because it's restricted. You are automatically cutting out a segment of your audience. Right. So you got to get the rest of the potential viewers super jazzed about going. Yeah. And that sentence from Hamada is basically catnip for horror fans. (laughs) This movie is so inexplicably scary. The MPA gave it an R. Sign me up. So. Exactly. (laughs) Basically, expertly marketed, and there was also just incredible reviews from early Mm -hmm. screenings, which is also kind of funny to me. I'll get into that later, though. (laughs) So what makes this movie so scary? That's what so many people ask. When I was Googling, it ranged from, like, is The Conjuring scary, being a very common Mm -hmm. query, to what makes The Conjuring so scary? (laughs) And a Screen Rant article listed out a few other horror movies that were rated rated PG-13. So Drag Me to Hell, The Woman in Black, Mama, Insidious, The Last Exorcism, and The Ring. Those are rated PG-13? That's what this article said. That's wild, because some of those, I'm like, those are just as scary. So what's different about The Conjuring? Tell me! And that's what I started to dig into. So what makes this movie so scary, even with reliance on common horror tropes? Mm -hmm. I read a ton of reviews of this movie, and that's something that people couldn't explain or agree on. If you came to me for answers, you're shit out of luck. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it! I know. So one reviewer said it was all tension and no release with a series of climactic scares instead of building to terror. So basically, instead of like the traditional um, plot line. So, like, if you're looking at a graph of, like, what the plot is in terms of tension building, climax, and then release, they said that it was basically just a bunch of hills. Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes sense because it is just, like, one big scare. Okay, we're done. Okay, one big scare, and then we're done. That's wild. And then another review pointed out how many moments of respite you get between the scares. So it has a lot of scares and a lot of scenes that have multiple scares. But then you have like the Warrens giving a lecture that's spooky, but not tense. Yeah, You also have them like fixing the car for a while, talking about the beach. Like there's a lot of moments where you're just like, oh, they're chilling. Like, (laughs) yeah. So I don't agree that it's like constantly at a certain level. There is that tense release, tense release, tense release, but maybe not like... The final scene, like the final stretch of heightened tension is the exorcism. Right. That goes on for a hot minute. <laughs> yeah, it does. But I'd say that there isn't one scare in the movie that is scarier than the rest. No. It's just the constant, like, tension, scary, release. Tension, scare, release. Where it just goes in this, uh, like, constant loop. Yeah, it's like multiple different scares, too. Because you have, like, a few scares that build. And then they kind of stop and you don't really see that type of scare again. Mm-hmm. And then the same thing happens where it's like another scare will like build and then you see it get really scary and then like you never see that scare again. They really just had like a lot. Okay, that's wild. I didn't even think about that like until just now. Yeah. <laughs> and an article for The Atlantic, I had reached my monthly limit. And no! so when I opened this one, it was my last free one. And I was like, 
I, I have to PDF this. I have to keep it in case I accidentally close it and then I'll get paywall. Oh my God. It's I like know. when you tried to do research for the fourth kind and oh, damn <laughs> you reached it. your paywall that and an Alaskan Small news- Alaskan newspaper really didn't want me to read more free articles. They were like, stop it. <laughs> if you want to know. Us money. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I get it. I get it, Anchorage, Daily News, it. or whatever the I fuck it was. It. <laughs> You're holding the grudge against Anchorage. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. That's got to cut deep, Anchorage. <laughs> Do you hear me? I'm disappointed. If we have fans in Alaska. They, they're going to be so furious with us. <laughs> it was Kate on me. Oh my god, I'm so sorry, Anchorage. <laughs> Throw me under the bus. I threw you under the little paywalled newspaper. I'm sorry. You sure did. Sorry, I got to keep Alaska fans happy. <laughs> when they come after me, I'll be looking at you, knowing that you led to this. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyway, back to the Atlantic, who also is threatening to paywall me. I'm also on their side. I'm sorry. I have to. I got to keep them. Listen, I'm actually probably on the Atlantic side, too. I need to be contained. <laughs> they were like, ma'am, please. And I was like, I respect that boundary. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you for giving me this. I appreciate it. Yep. <laughs> so anyway, in this article, the reviewer said that people... Okay. So they talk specifically about like what it's like to go to screenings for horror films. Yeah. And they said that regardless of the quality of the movie, the screenings are just not enjoyable to go to usually really? or like they go shittily because they said people are like yelling out theories laughing to show they're not afraid etc really so you know people are just shitty at these kind of so you know like i saw it uh in theaters like yeah. both of the mm-hmm. newer ones and me and maggie were just like screaming and like hanging on to each other and then like laughing our asses off so like reacting and like whispering to each other i mean fair enough i saw the nun speaking mm. of conjuring universe oh, and let boy. me just say nobody was quiet during that no movie. as you shouldn't because it's i'm sorry conjuring universe hot garbage yeah <laughs> but like so i get it <laughs> people will like yell at the screen like don't go in there so like interesting the according to this person generally horror film screenings are just kind of shitty to go to i can understand that especially like i don't know uh, like it's not like a screening for it's just like a screening to be like oh how are people gonna like this kind of thing is mm-hmm. that what it is it's an advanced release Oh, advanced release. Okay. Yeah. We used to do screenings like that sort of at the theater that I mm-hmm. worked at and they would always get pretty rough and wild. Not oh, rough that. and wild, but like, you know, you'd get a lot of people together and it's free as long as you like happen to be looking at a place at the right time to be like, oh, cool. I found this, this mm-hmm. voucher. I'm going to go. And they were very serious about it. They would like take your phones and like they keep them while you're in the movie. And like they're, they have their own little security person that comes wow. to be like, do not record this because it's supposed to be like generate some buzz um but yeah i just remember we'd always get a wild amount of people and it would just be rowdy as hell oh jesus so this checks out yeah (laughs) checks out the reviewer ian buckwalter said that when they attended the advanced screening for the conjuring Mm -hmm. it was unusually quiet people screamed at jump scares but weren't turning to their neighbors to protect the next scene protect predict they were like stop it it's okay (laughs) i got you armed it (laughs) i did the mom arm stop I wish people could see us. We're doing it really well. We're doing it really well. I was born to mom arm. I usually like have food in my passenger seat, so I mom arm the food. It's like the pizza has to stay. I'm like, oh my god, my burrito. (laughs) I would baby a burrito. I'm 100. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like, they weren't trying to predict the next scene. They were laughing at the comedic moments, but they weren't like yelling out to the screen to chastise the characters. At the most climactic moments, Buckwalter said they felt connected to all the other theater goers, united by terror. Oh, that's and so, great. yeah, so like hearing that this screening felt different 
than all the others. I'm just like, okay, but why is this one different? But why? So I wanted to pull a few lines from the article to just get like their perspective yeah. on it. So Juan's approach to horror is resolutely old-fashioned, but finely tuned to maximize techniques we've already seen a million times before. Yeah. When a character is locked into a darkened basement with only matches for light, we know something is going to spring out of the darkness. When Juan leaves obvious room in the frame for something to pop up or telegraphs the appearance of a ghoul by having a character look in terror before the camera actually shows it, it shouldn't be a surprise when he gives us what we expect. Yet his ability to deliver thoroughly disturbing images without resorting to ostentatious score or violence is truly something to marvel at. I'm fairly desensitized to this sort of thing. Maybe that's the fallout of my teenage horror viewing. But my guts were wrapped up in knots and every follicle on my head sizzled with fear on multiple occasions. If the MPA is looking for an objective standard for R-rated terror going forward, they might as well just add to the rating as scary as The Conjuring. (laughs) It's so funny, but why? And I just keep like, I'm, that's, I'm gonna, mm, whoa, I can start and finish a sentence. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to dig into that a little bit more over the coming weeks, but I'm not promising to have an answer on why this is scary, but I am going to explore different theories of fear. Yeah. So this also, like, going back to this real quick, it touches on something else. Mm -hmm. I'm so used to films relying on nothing is scarier for the majority Mm -hmm. of the movie, but I feel like Juan instead said, I'm going to tease the scare, then actually show you the entirety of it in quick cuts. You see Bathsheba, you see the maid, you see the mother who killed Rory, you see Rory, you see it all. It's not just like a creepy child's disembodied voice no, like it's, ringing through the house. You get to see the face. You get to see every monster. And yet, uh, it's just... And it usually makes it less scary, but not here. No. And so Why? that's where I want to tease some dissections of fear and the psychology of enjoying horror movies. So folks have different theories, but what I came across that I enjoyed was a look at what makes a horror movie in itself scary. And so according to a 2004 article by Dr. Glenn Walters, horror movies are alluring because of tension, relevance, and unrealism. And that's what I'll explore next week. Ah! <laughs> Can't believe you've done this. I know. I was like, how can I be mean this week? <laughs> you fucking nailed it. Thank y'all. Well, this, this leads so perfectly into horror because mm. now we get to be like, why is it scary? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I did. I took like very few notes, but I it's. It's weird because this was another one similar to Cabin in the Woods, not because it was like wild and weird and blah, 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 but just because like I didn't want to look away mm-hmm. because he does do a He does a lot. Yeah, he visually. does a lot. So I was like, well, if I look away to like write a note, I don't want to miss anything. And I didn't want to keep pausing. Everyone can ask Kate. I started this movie when I got home. Uh, I ate dinner and I went, I was like, I'm going to watch this movie. And I started it around 530. Then at 945, I was like. Okay, I'm done. Because huh? I kept pausing it to be like, hold on. Like, <laughs> it took so long. Um, but it's great. Um, oh, this is why I loved it. This is the only note I wrote was, the ways that you see the ghosts are so different. Mm-hmm. There's so many different ways to see the same ghost mm-hmm. that it was just so upsetting. Someday, I'm going to write something very long and convoluted <laughs> on mirrors in horror movies. Oh, they're... I, as soon as I saw that, I was like, Kate's going to love this. I I wanted to do it again this week, but I was like, save it. There's a horror movie that is explicitly There's about gonna... a haunted mirror. <laughs> That's when we'll do it. I was like, but be... there were just really cool ways to see it, I feel like. Because, like, one, you've, you've got the cool mirror where it's mm-hmm. like, well, if you see the mute once the music stops, you can see Rory. And, like, the mom does it and doesn't really see anything. And then eventually, like. Uh, um, Lorraine does it and, and does see like Rory but it's so fast and he's not doing anything scary he's just standing there so that's kind of upsetting because you're like you don't really know anything about him yet so you're like what's his deal mm-hmm. is he is he evil he's talking to this little girl 
And usually in horror movies, if a little girl's talking to a ghost, it's like, that's a demon. Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's just a little boy. Especially since you were set up from the beginning with the – you see, like, when you start the movie, mm-hmm. this group of, like, young people that oh, have right. Annabelle. Yes. And they say, we, like, moved in the apartment – there was a ghost of a little girl. She said she liked my doll. And, you know, we're nurses. We help people. We wanted to help her. So we said that she could be- inhabit the doll. Right. And then Ed's like, that was a huge mistake because that's not the spirit that's of a little, little girl. girl. It's a demon. Right. And you invited it in. And so, like, you're already primed to be like, to okay, trust any ghost. demons fake being children to get the trust of other people. And so you're like, okay, well, Rory's a demon. Rory's not the demon. Rory barely comes up. And it's so cool because he's not malicious, not at all. And it and it's also just like he doesn't really do much of anything except just be there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and maybe there are things that he's telling like the little girl, and she knows more than like you really get to see. I don't know, but it's just cool because he's not malicious, even though they've set you up to believe that he is, and he really isn't anything. He's really just there to show you that like bad shit happened in this house. Yeah, I'm part of it, and that sucks. Yeah. kind of thing. And it's ambiguous to me, like, how much of what happens is him. Because leading up to a certain point, you only know about Rory. You right. don't know about the maid. You don't know about Rory's mom. No. You don't know about Bathsheba. And so, like, when all the, like, you hear a child laughing and then all of the, like, picture frames in the stairwell come yeah. crashing down. Maybe that was Rory. Right. But was it Rory that slammed the door on her face and knocked her down the stairs? Right. Maybe it was his mom. Or maybe it was him just being a kid and not realizing, like, the effects of his actions right. but like throughout the movie he's not like actively no seeming to try to hurt her he's just a fucking kid ghost <laughs> yeah i really think that like all of the malicious things are just Bathsheba yeah. doing all of it and then poor like rory and the mom and everyone just being like we have to live here too like we are stuck here just as much as like y'all are mm-hmm. i think they're just used in a way to be like this sucks like <laughs> And it's interesting, too, because there's that one scare that really gets me because they don't show it. Mm. So I'm like, what is it? Is it just the mom being, like, upset in the room? I'll I'll tell you what it is in a minute. But, like, is it the little kid? They don't say. There's a part where one of the daughters is in the bed. um, And her leg has been pulled before in one, like, a scene Mm -hmm. way earlier, very subtly. And she's kind of like, hey, leave me alone. I want to sleep. Nothing happens. She just goes to sleep. And then this next time, something pulls her leg and, like, she gets very scared. And then she looks under her bed and there is a beautiful camera shot, which is my favorite in the whole movie. This camera shot's gorgeous. She, like, looks under the bed. So the camera kind of goes upside down with her. And then she, like, comes back up and the camera does this, like, really cool one shot of, like, making a circle almost and being upside down. And it, like, disorients you in a way to be like, am I up? Mm -hmm. yet like what is going on and then all of a sudden you are up and even though the camera has like stopped moving it just like for a second just doesn't feel like it because then immediately it pans so you're like whoa Mm -hmm. (laughs) it gives you this moment of like i it's raining and it's spooky i was like Um, right but it gives you this moment of just being just as disoriented in the dark and like as her and you're just like i have no idea what's happening right now and i'm just as scared Mm. um but then she sees something behind the door do you see it? No, I, I don't see it. Okay. I wanted to make sure that it wasn't like a brightness issue because I watched it specifically in the dark to make sure yeah. that I didn't have the same issue as Kevin in the Woods. You don't see it. Mm-mm. That's so upsetting. Yeah. And in that scene, the older sister, Nancy, 
her expression when she's looking at, I think it's Christine, mm-hmm. is like when Christine's crying and said like it wanted, it said if my family's going to mm-hmm. die or it wants to kill the family. Nancy just looks aghast and like yeah. her expression, it doesn't feel like overwrought. It doesn't feel like, it, I don't know. I was looking at that girl's face and I was like, she's terrified for her sister. Yeah. The children acting in this film were incredible. All of them. Love them. They just did a great job of being like scared, but not over the top, mm-hmm. but also like they just did a lot with their facial expressions. Oh yeah. It. But that part scares me so much because like they, they go out of their way to disorient you just like she is to give you this like. What's going to be under the bed? Mm-hmm. What's pulling her leg? What's this? And then she gets to see it and you still don't, even though the camera at this point has stopped confusing you. It's pointing right at the scare and you still don't get to see it. So it's this like, I'm still on edge. You thought you were going to be like, okay, at least I know now. And you no. don't. And you you don't. And her sister doesn't know either. And oh, that part just creeped me out. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, when you said that about the camera angles, it reminded me of like two of my favorite shots mm-hmm. in the film. So there's a part where it's either a Carolyn or Lorraine. I think it's Carolyn. Mm-hmm. She's like running through the house looking for something. Yeah. And it looks like it's going to be from her perspective because like it looks like maybe you're tracking like where she's running and where she's looking. Right. And then it looks like maybe she's looking off to the side, but then you see her run through the frame. Yes. And it's just like, I thought I thought we were looking through her perspective and it tricked you. Tricked and you. all of a sudden she just like runs through the like bottom right corner or whatever. Yeah. And, and then you're the, like, oh my God. The other one is like one of the other upside down scenes where Lorraine is running outside to get something. Yeah. yeah and yeah. The, the other, like the helper guy mm-hmm. is like trying to find um, April. Yes. Because April's still think, missing. Right. And so Lorraine runs outside to like get the book or something for right. the exorcism. And the camera follows her and like flips upside down. And then like he runs and then the camera flips right back yep. up the same way it had. Oh God, it was it wild. Is- Cool. They just did a great job. There's a lot of cool, like, tracking shots, too. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend brought this up. I was talking to him, and he was like, this is, like, a really cool shot that I liked. And I was like, it's funny, because it's not even a shot that is, like, scary or anything. It's just a really interesting shot at the beginning when they're moving in. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, a one continuous shot of, like, she's going under the couch. They're moving this, and they're doing that. And it gives you this sense of, like, being busy and being everywhere in the house without having to do, like, a bunch of cuts. Mm-hmm. So you get to see what everyone's doing from like this perspective, just like this camera. So you're not with anybody. You're just seeing it happen. And it just feels like you're right in the middle of this move. So you're getting this hectic feeling of like, there's a lot happening. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I just, I was like, you know what? That is a really cool shot. And it's because it's not like a horror shot or like a really scary moment. I kind of took it for granted. And then I like watched it and I was like, that is actually really neat. Like, Mm -hmm. um, And I love that. And also another shot that I love that's really subtle and also is not like a scary shot. Um, There's this moment where they're like, they're working on the car or Lorraine or Ed is, sorry. Ed is working on the car and the dad is just looking over to like look at him. And there's this really cool shot that they kind of do in like older 70s movies where like they are still standing in the same place like with whoever you're looking at and they pan to where they want to look. And they kind of slowly zoom in and it's, I don't know. It's weird. I can't describe it other than just like, it, it looks genuinely like it's from the seventies. Yeah. Like it's a camera technique that like, I feel like comes specifically from like older films Ooh. where like the zoom in is kind of like, I don't know. It's not, it's not super crisp or clear when they zoom in and it's not like amazing. So it aged the movie to make it almost feel like you were in the seventies, but not with like, clothes or sets 
just like with camera angle. Mm-hmm. It was weird. It was like yeah. they just did they did weird things to age it to make it feel like it was part of the actual time that you know it was supposed to be set in, but not in ways that they usually do that I thought was interesting. I don't know. I just thought that was super cool. One of the other like camera things they did mm-hmm. that I loved, and I feel like I'm going back because my brain, I feel like I read an article that actually said like the suspicion zoom or whatever, mm-hmm. or like that zoom is a hallmark of like movies at that time, but also horror movies at that time. Yeah. I'm going to read the article and find it because basically you're saying something that I read and I was like, huh. <laughs> uh, but the other thing that I love that they did. So basically when they start to try and get evidence to mm-hmm. say, Vatican, please help us. Right. We need your permission to do an exorcism. They're trying to get evidence. So they take a camera and like a microphone into the basement and Ed is like trying to, you know, get evidence of stuff and someone's standing further away. I think it's yeah. the cop filming. And so because Ed isn't speaking into the microphone he's holding, yeah. you don't hear him as well. And so right. like they distance the noise. Yeah. And like I think the aspect ratio changes, mm-hmm. definitely the quality of the picture quality, quality of the picture. Changes, yeah. So that you can say, like, mm-hmm. I am looking at a recording. Yeah. And I thought that was so fucking cool. It gives you this, I wrote this down. It gives you a sense of found footage without having to do the work of like a found footage yes. film. So you get all of the behind the scenes stuff that like you don't get in a found footage. Like with paranormal activity, you know just as much as they do. Mm-hmm. You're not supposed to know more. But I love this because they give you more. They show you the scares. They show you everything. Like you're there experiencing it. But they give you those small moments that are like, this is real. Because it is based on like a real haunting, like technically. So they do the work of being like, you know, if it's real, like this is what maybe this looked like when they did show this to the Vatican, like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was so cool. I just love that part. That was the part I was going to bring up next. And I was like, yeah, I hope Kate says it. Yeah. I love that shot. It, it, and it's only one, too. So it's just cool to be like, eh, quick, here's a little moment. It's like a little treat. A little treat. <laughs> treat for the audience. Yeah, I loved it. But yeah, and I love that Zoom. They do that a lot in old horror movies, like you said. And I don't know. And, and it's funny because they used it, but they didn't even use it for like a scary moment. Mm-mm. But they do that in older movies. And it's. I don't know. They did a really cool job of making it seem like it was the 70s without just being like, do you see their cool bell bottoms? You know, like (laughs) whenever you're in the 70s, you're like, well, just give them some weird clothes. Like, and I feel like something that a lot of movies rely on in kind of a weird way is Mm -hmm. using music from that time period. There was a Dead Man Bones song in this movie. And I was like, it's a Ryan Gosling band. Like, (laughs) That is literally a band that is from the last decade or yeah. two and they put it in a 70s movie and it, it fucking fit because yeah. that's like the sound of Dead Man's Bones. Right. But it started playing in the room where you sleep and I was like, excuse me? Yeah. I was so shocked. <sighs> Their music was great too. Mm-hmm. They, and they did have that one moment where it was like, was it diegetic sound? Was it like, is it, you couldn't tell at first because mm-hmm. it was like playing while she was doing stuff. Is that the song? Is that the one you're talking about? I don't remember where that one plays. Okay. I just know that she's listening to a song, but at first you don't know if she's listening to it mm. or if it's like a song playing that you're supposed to hear, but they're mm-hmm. not because she's not really reacting to it. Then she walks over and like kind of turns it off and you're yeah. like, ah, oh, cool. Like mm-hmm. it was something that was happening there. I wasn't sure. Ugh, love it. It was just really cool. Um, they, the scares were great. They just, uh, they were really subtle until they weren't, you yeah. know? And that's so cool when movies are just like, I'll give you a little treat. Just kidding. <laughs> and then they yeah. get you. <laughs> I Like, I've seen this twice now. Mm-hmm. And so it's like I knew the broad strokes of what happened. I didn't remember right. the individual scares, mostly because I get this mixed up with the Amityville Horror remake. True. Is that the one with Ryan? Sure. 
Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. I was actually just about to bring this up because that's also set in like the 70s, obviously. And also in a haunted fucking house. And Lorraine Warren works on this thing. So it's mm-hmm. a similar time period. It's not even that different of an area, actually. Um, and I was about to bring this up because that movie is one of the movies that did what I just said, where their fashion was what they really pulled to be like, this is the 70s. And you can tell because it's just kind of like they just took like, I don't know. As someone who studies fashion, I feel like they take, like, the biggest, um, not cliche, but, like, the most memorable item from the 70s. And they put them on their characters, mm-hmm. like, big bell bottoms, like, macrame shirts and this and that. And I'm like, yes and no. Like, just because they wore those things in the 70s, not every person that you met wore them. So, yeah. like, it, it sometimes can be frustrating. Like, in, like, 1920s movies where they'll put characters, like, in a flapper dress. And I'm like, not every person in the 20s was a flapper. You can't just be like, that's what they wore. And I'm like, not really. Like, Mm-mm. not. There was a lot of weird fashion in the 20s that people overlooked. So I was glad you uh, said the Amityville Horror because I was about to do it. And I was like, no, Nikki, don't complain about their bell bottoms. But then you brought <laughs> it up. Complaining. And I was like, all right. Yep. It's fair game now. <laughs> oh, it sure is. I kicked a chair oh for my, my rage. Oh, my God, my chair. Oh, with the bell bottoms. The bell bottoms. The bell bottoms. <laughs> but no, I... So the whole reason I brought it up was that I keep getting this one mixed up Mm -hmm. in, like, my memory of, like, which is which. And so then watching this, I was like, I'm pretty sure, like, this happens. I was like, oh, no, the babysitter's definitely an Amityville Horror. (laughs) But then, (laughs) this is all to say, as I was watching it, I did know some of the scares that would happen. Right. I did not know others. But, like, it still fucking scared me. Because it's like, she's going to look under the bed and this could be a moment from like poltergeist where something jumps out or like right. it could be a cat scare or it could be like she's looking, nothing. She sits up and then bam, something scary. Because it's like, you know, the formula for so many scares and either he does a slightly different one mm-hmm. or delays it or he does exactly what you thought he was going to do still- and it's still scary. Like when the daughter's looking at the top of the dresser. See, and uh, previously, I th- if I'm getting the order of events right, yeah, you hadn't seen what the girl was seeing. Like no. when Christine is like, it's behind the door, it's you behind you. It. You never see it. But here you see the sleepwalking one. The, the one. The sweet. Just the one that sleepwalks. You the know. one that sleepwalks. <laughs> you see her looking up and just like, there it is. And like, then you look up and it is there. And it's, it's just like so crouching upsetting. and then it leaps Ugh. down. I remember I saw this movie twice in theaters. Um, <laughs> I was when it when it like trailers came out, I was pumped because like if it's based on a true story, you know, I'm going to be there being like, is it? And I huh? have to see. So I was pumped. So I went and I saw it. And that part freaked me the fuck out just because it was like, yes, it like you said, yes, it did exactly what you thought like was going to happen sort of in a way. Like, obviously, like she's going to look up. There's either going to be a scare. There's not. Mm-hmm. So you're ready for one of the two things. Yeah. And you do see it, and it's not even it being there that scared me. It was its shape. Yeah, it's, it's hunched, hunched over, but also perched on top of a wardrobe. Yeah, it's per- so usually like when you have a wardrobe, the biggest scare will be like inside of mm-hmm. it or something. Like you know, they keep opening this wardrobe. She keeps trying to get into the wardrobe. So you're like, oh, well, like if they're gonna see anything, it's probably gonna like pop out of the clothes. Because you have that moment too where the mom is playing hide and clap, oh. and the it really slowly the arms come out and go. And one clap. Not even two, just clap. And I was like, fuck that. Um, so you keep expecting it to come out. Then you see it up on the top. And even, like, whatever, that's scary. But it's the hunched. She's so hunched. And she's like, 
and she's you can tell she's getting ready to jump and that's the worst part it's the predator like pounce yes move. she's yeah. hunched over because she's gonna she was like i'm ready she mm-hmm. smiles at her mm-hmm. she's like ah. and i'm like don't look at her do not don't don't you do it and she does it kate she leaps at she her. She leaps. Oh, it's so gross. And then when the adults come in, they can't see why their I daughter's know. like writhing on the floor. And it's like, ugh. So it's like you sometimes see it, you don't. Mm-hmm. Nothing matters. Varscar. Yeah, that part freaks me out. Gross. Um, do you have a favorite scare? Like, yes. are we ready for a favorite scare? Or do you have more like specific things you want to talk about first? I'm like looking through and it's just like pretty much what I've already said. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, yeah, in my notes, I have, like, it divided into camera work, genre tropes, Mm -hmm. and then just random things that I wrote while I was watching. And basically, it just keeps coming back to, like, he just did everything well. Yeah. And then I do have a qualm. Oh, what's qualm? The qualm is basically the way they handle witches and Satanism because it's, like... Witches and Satan, name a more iconic duo, where it's basically that thing where it's just like witches kill their babies to give to Satan because it raises their estimation or his estimation of them in his eyes or whatever. And it's like, have you ever met a witch? <laughs> like, I feel like I remember doing <laughs> – I was so into this movie. I feel like I remember doing a little bit of research on the actual story and like – Sorry, my – Oh, no. Don't do this, Noodle. <laughs> he really is just not having it with us today. <laughs> Like a pig. <laughs> it does sound like a pig. Biggie. Biggie. <laughs> just to be clear, he has a hairball. I'm probably not going to leave this in, but if I do, I just want everyone to know that I'm not laughing at my cat's pain. He just has a hairball. You done? You We're going to start talking. You'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> pork it up. I don't even know what I was talking about. Um, oh, the qualms about. Oh, the qualms. Yeah. Um, I remember doing like a tiny bit of research and like, while yes, like, some of the people that did live in the house did have that name and, like, did actually live there and blah, blah, blah. She's never really a witch. It was basically, like, if I'm correct, and I'm probably not, but, like, as I recall, she just, like, lived there and people were like, oh, she's a witch. Mm. You know how, like, hearsay just happens to be a thing. I think their child may have died. I think that part may be true, but, like, she didn't kill her kid. Her, Her kid, like, died. And people were like, she did it! She's a witch! And then if she did hang herself, it it was not because of like, ah, Satan! It was because of like her child dying. Yeah. So while I could be wrong, like I don't know if that's actually the history. I don't even know if she actually was there. But if she was, I I think it was like a genuine person who was just like, my kid died. Yeah. So that is also a qualm. I get it. I just tend to get annoyed when people are like, oh, witchcraft. And it's like, okay, first of all, if you talk to people that like, do witchy stuff mm-hmm. one of the first things they say is that like any spell you cast will come back threefold so that's why yeah, you don't I'll, fuck with shit no like, you don't fuck with shit and so it's like has the craft taught you nothing okay speaking it's of like some people have this is craft. so old this is old news but i have to bring it up because we're talking about witches mm. you want to talk about witches who fucks shit up did you hear about oh. the tiktok witches who cursed the moon what do you did you not hear about this no okay my voice is doing that things. was wild so there were some like witches, uh-huh. I did finger quotes, on TikTok who were like, and we're going to curse the moon. And then they cursed the moon with like their weird, like, you know, with their like not actual spells. Like they were just like, we're cursing the moon. And actual like people who practice witchcraft and all these things were like, what the fuck? Like they were like, do not fuck with the moon. No. We love the moon. We cherish the moon. Blow kisses to the moon. We, uh, 
look, it's the moon. Um, and so they were like, hey, like, even if you're not a witch or whatever, just you know, light a candle for the moon and say so you appreciate it. So I went home and I was like, you know what? I love the moon. I lit I a candle and I was like, that's for you, moon. That's for you, moon. Don't curse the moon. I'm not associated with them. <laughs> I, I would like to say I'm not associated with the TikTok witches who curse the moon, which no. is a sentence I never thought I'd have to say. <laughs> But I'm not with them. <laughs> I'm not with them. I don't know her. I don't know her. I love the moon. Love would never them. curse it. But those are the kind of witches given. Which is a bad name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of witches who would be in the conjuring universe being like, we curse the moon. <laughs> now we sit on wardrobes. <laughs> I'm like wondering how it'll come back three times. Like, is the it moon just, just like, punches them. <laughs> just tides of like. <laughs> <laughs> the moon is just like, I heard you talking shit. <laughs> merch idea a moon heard you talking mad shit I'm picturing a moon with like arms and those cartoon gloves and she's just like I'll get you <laughs> don't get punched by the moon don't get punched by the moon oh my god that's a hot shouldn't hot tip shouldn't have to say that no don't but yeah that's my only qualm before okay. getting into favorite scare yeah yeah agreed on the qualm that was like my only qualm as well and it's because it's based on a true story I mean they, it's yeah. not like they can really change how people look and all this yeah. so like a qualm that I will let go. Mm. Um, it's not like a unique sin to this movie. Right, it's like exactly. everyone talks about witches and Satanists and yeah, stuff like that. It, it's just a common trope that I'm just tired of. Yeah. And it's just hard to find one that does it right. But I can't yeah. wait until we do. <gasps> the witch. Um, the witch. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, do you want to go first? Your favorite scare? Sure. So, I, I spent a while trying to think of like which one because mm-hmm. it goes back to something that I read and something that I felt where it's like, there isn't one scare that, like, stands out above all the rest. Like, we talk about preferences, but it's not, like, it all led to this one big scare. It's just, like, there are a lot of various scares throughout the movie. Yeah. So, to me, it was probably the moment where Carolyn's in the basement and she's striking, like, match after match Mm -hmm. because there's that, like, time-based tension of that match will go out and you will run out of matches along with it's the dark. Something in here is violent. And it's close to you. And not to mention, she could burn her fingies. Yeah, she could burn her fingers <laughs> or start a fire. And so she, like the, she's lighting the match, and it's like one of the last ones. And you're like, "Do you want to play a game?" Oh god, and it's in front of her. Yeah, and it's just right there. Yeah. And then it like cuts to another scene where she drops oh, the match or something. That was so scary. That it one says, scared me. Do you want to so play much. a game in front of her, and then behind her it claps, yep. and I'm like, "What?" Sorry, I hate it's that like, part no, thank too. Thank you. <laughs> Ooh, this gave me the shivers. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. What about yours? Uh, this is so funny. It's a similar moment. It's right before that. Um, so, and it's such a stupid one, I feel like. But I don't care. There's something about it that really freaked me uh-huh. out that I just didn't like. It was just like, Because, like, yes, the big scares are good. But this one just, like, mm. freaked me out. Uh, it's, so it's, like, when she goes to the basement, um, she she fell, I believe, right? She got knocked she, down like, the stairs. She, like, got knocked yeah. down the stairs. So she's already disoriented and, like, kind of out of it. And I feel like she's already kind of willing to believe there is something in this house that, like, shouldn't be. And then she's looking around and I feel like we're all waiting to see like the boy or whatever. We're waiting to see a ghost. And then it gets really quiet and then just the ball, the ball just flies from the thing and it Uh doesn't do it maliciously. It just bounces. So I want to play. And I was just expecting a ghost. So then this ball comes out and I'm like, no, (laughs) I was like, it put me on edge and then like kept me there because I was like, who threw the ball? What's happening? Like what? Ball. Like, the ball. And it just came from a place that like was so dark too. 
So when you saw it coming, all of a sudden at first, I was like, oh my God, it's like a hand. And then I was like, no way, it's still going. And then I was like, it's like a face. And then I was like, oh, it's just a ball. <laughs> it's just a ball. So that was my biggest. Yeah. And I don't know why, because there's other ones that are like way scarier in a way, but this one just put me on edge. I think it really like goes back to there are scares that are like frightening because it's sudden or because it's like gory, but then there are scares where it's frightening because it's confusing. And you yeah. don't know intention. And you're just like, why is a ball moving? <laughs> or yeah, like, like, why okay. did this occur? This comes from experience. Mm. I have a ghost story. <gasps> I love ghost stories. Um, This happened to my, when I was living with my dad, we had a house that was like super old. Like it had been in our family for years, like a hundred years old. And everybody, I, I learned that when I went to elementary school, eventually when I moved in with my dad, people would be like, oh, you live in the old haunted house. And I was like, cool. Mm. Yeah, I do. Um. And so, like, we had this closet by the bathroom, and one day the closet just opened while my dad's, like, girlfriend was, like, in the shower, and she was, like, in the bathroom getting ready, and the bathroom door was open, too, and this ball just went boop, 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 and bounced out, and then stopped rolling in the hallway, and then rolled into the bathroom, and then the bathroom door shut. Nikki! Yeah. <laughs> and uh, she was, like, done. And it was like a basketball. Like, it was, like, boop. And so, like, a basketball it fell from the top of the closet... And it should have kept bouncing and it just didn't. Like it bounced, bounced, stopped, rolled into the bathroom and then just like, I have shivers when I think about this. That's not even the worst thing that happened to the house. Someday we'll do an episode where I just talk about my haunted house. Oh boy. But isn't that just, so when I saw that ball, I was like, oh, it takes me back. Like I was like, I don't know what it wants and I don't care. (laughs) I don't want to know. (laughs) So yeah, that's, that's my scare. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. This movie makes me, like, shudder. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> All right. So is it time for tropes? It's time for tropes. So how are you going to do tropes with the... the are you, is this one going to have, like, its own specific tropes? Or do you have some that are going to, like, continue on through the month? Because oh. I wondered if some of them would have similar ones because it's going to be a similar director and everything. Yeah. So I chose three specific ones okay. for this movie. Cool. That one of them does have a connective thread between the first and the second Love movie. It. Yes. And that's actually what I'm starting with. I'm going to start with the noodle incident. <laughs> yeah, no, classic. Yeah, classic. So I have avoided this trope for so long, but here I am facing the fears. You avoided it? Yeah, because I was like, I don't know if I understand noodle incident well enough, or I don't know if it's a good enough like, Noodle incident example. when my cat just barfed. Yeah. That's a noodle incident. Okay, so the title of this trope is a callback to a Calvin and Hobbes comic where Calvin is talking to Hobbes and says, all I can say is this year Santa had better bring me everything on my list. I've been extremely good all year. Then Hobbes says, what about the noodle incident? And Calvin screams, all caps, no one can prove I did that. <laughs> so. Fair enough. You can't. <laughs> the author of like those comics, I don't know who it is, uh, has admitted that he never explained what the noodle incident was. Because I gotta know. he knew that he could never create something as ridiculous as what each reader would imagine on their own. So it's left a mystery <laughs> as to what that noodle incident is. And this trope is used in comedy and horror. So I'm going to have a direct quote from TV Tropes. The noodle incident is something from the past that is referred to but never explained with the implication that it's just too ludicrous for words or perhaps too offensive for depiction and the reality that any explanation would fall short of audience expectations. Commonly introduced to the audience by having characters react to some fantastic and improbable event with, oh no, not again. (laughs) The key to this trope is that the audience is left to imagine what happened based on vague hints or clues with Mm -hmm. funny or scary or both results. I know what part this is now. Yes. Okay. So what's the noodle incident here? 
Ed doesn't want to do more paranormal investigations. Right. And Lorraine is like, is it because you're afraid it'll happen again? And he's like, yes, you said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> yes, <And> stop. <laughs> don't. It's noodle instant. We don't talk about yeah. it. And we later find out that she saw something mm-hmm. during an exorcism that fucked her up so bad that yeah. she like locked herself in her room for days without eating. Roger asks what he saw. And Ed says, I don't know. I didn't ask. They give us like two noodle incidents kind yep. of. Because first it's, I don't want to do more because what happened? And mm-hmm. you're like, what is it? And then you're like, it? oh, okay, they told us. Yeah. But they still did it. But you, because you just see her like, it's a flashback to this exorcism that went very poorly. Yeah. And it, the guy that is being exorcised like grabs Lorraine's arms and just like screams into her face. And she starts screaming. Excuse me. She's crying. She hates this part. <laughs> <laughs> we have to take a quick break for sobs. No. Uh, but Lorraine just like, Starts freaking the fuck out, which is, you know, the, like, heroic blue screen of death moment. Right. Because she is very cool, calm, and collected. Yeah. With all the things she's seen. She's so used to it. Yeah. And so it becomes the noodle incident. And that becomes a plot point in the second Conjuring movie. Yeah. But I'm not going to spoil that. Becomes a plot point in The Nun. (laughs) (gasps) Yeah. So, unfortunately, because I've seen The Nun, I was Mm. like, oh, I know what this is. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) that movie... If anybody wants to watch The Nun, well, first, join our Patreon because we're going to do a simul watch of it and you can watch it with us. Mm-hmm. But if you don't join the Patreon, do yourself a favor. Still watch The Nun knowing that it's horrible. I've never seen it. I can't. I All I can say is that Jesus's blood is involved. <laughs> when is it not? <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. You're so right. But I just, oh God, just everyone watch it. Um, but that's that's interesting. The new incident. I like the names they give them. <laughs> It's also really funny that the last sentence you said was Jesus's blood because the next trope is Christianity is Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. Oh, jeez. So when I was reading this, I cracked the fuck up when I was like reading this entry. So essentially, whenever you see Christianity represented in movies, especially mm-hmm. horror movies, it's going to be full of rosaries, priests, crucifixes, etc. Yeah, which is like... Which are all trappings of Catholicism. Catholic. <laughs> there are a lot of theories as to why this is. Maybe it's because it seems very mysterious and filled with ritual, like Latin and shit. Yeah. Or because of the sheer number of Roman Catholics worldwide, the utility <laughs> of confessionals as a plot device. Or maybe it's because it's aesthetic as hell. As hell. It's gotta be. Hey! (laughs) I see what you did. But this trope basically has like a feedback loop because Mm -hmm. screenwriters may not personally be familiar with Catholicism or Christianity more broadly, but they learn through like pop culture osmosis what it looks like. So then they see it and recreate it. And then people see what they made and recreate it. So you got a Catholic trope loop. That's hilarious. And there are certainly genres and subgenres that avoid this trope or like it's just not like an intentional avoidance. It's just not relevant to them. Yeah. So like in Westerns, unless they're set in Mexico, they tend to feature preachers, not priests, and lean Lutheran or Methodist instead of mm-hmm. Catholic. And obviously movies in other countries will have totally different religious contexts based on the area in history. Right. And it can also be very regionally centric within the United States. Mm-hmm. So with the exception of New Orleans because of like the French influences and stuff right. and like not even just the French but all the influences going down in New Orleans movies set in southern states will usually have a Baptist Methodist or Pentecostal reference mm-hmm. as will movies with black protagonists generally if religion is mentioned in those films yeah so this is a very specific like not southern United States <laughs> but somewhere else in the United States if there's religion it's going to be uh, ambiguously Catholic right so <laughs> in that's yeah. Yeah. So in The Conjuring, they reference the Salem witch trials. Bathsheba was a descendant of a Salem witch who was supposedly killed during the trials. And the Warrens get special permission from the Vatican to exorcise her. 
However, Catholics weren't involved in the Salem witch trials, even in our <laughs> ahistorical or just false narratives of them. Oh and I just God. like imagine Catholics looking at the scene and saying, not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> like, Circus, not my monkey. <laughs> like, I have no hand in this. They were like, I, "Don't blame us." Like, listen, we didn't do we that. Didn't do this. We've done other things. But this we, wasn't us. We didn't go witch wild. All right, <laughs> witch wild. God, people were accused of witchcraft back then for doing literally anything. Oh yeah, they were like, "Um, did you really try to take medicine during birth?" Witch, like existing as a woman. Witch. witch. So they, yeah, pretty much. You looked at anyone the wrong way. They were like, I'm so going to accuse her of being mm-hmm. a witch. Just watch. <laughs> she sells more gloves than I do. Witch. 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 Believe it or not, witch. Witch. <laughs> <laughs> this may come as a surprise to you, but witch. <laughs> Poor witches. They didn't even do shit. They didn't do shit to you. Con. But, but yeah, okay. I wonder, because like they do have like a cross mm-hmm. and like there's a bunch of like, you know religious looking things and i'm like what are you guys yeah <laughs> what's your deal mm-hmm. <laughs> and then um, the last trope yes i don't know if you're ready for this i don't think so it's called the care bear stare <laughs> <laughs> i had never heard of this trope the until i scrolled to the list stare? don't worry we'll get into it okay so <laughs> i had never come across it and then i'm like scrolling through it i was like hold on <laughs> so i was stunned and confused uh so each, not each, but a lot of trope pages have, like, the full description of the trope yeah. and, like, connected tropes or, like, subversions of it. And then they usually have, like, a laconic version, which is, like, a one-sentence summary of the trope. And the laconic version of the Care Bear Stare says, is an, a- an attack composed of pure niceness. And so <laughs> the title references Care Bears. I went to the Care Bear Wiki to learn more about it. And here's a direct <laughs> quote. that sound that came out of me. <laughs> oh, God. The Care Bear Stare is an ability that most members of the Care Bear family possess. The primary use of this ability, nope, the primary uses of this ability are to defeat the Care Bear's enemies and to heal people and objects that have been corrupted by them. Care Bears have enemies? This glittery being. <laughs> Everyone has enemies, Nikki. I'm sorry. <laughs> we all have our demons. <laughs> Care Bear just like smoking He's and drinking just like we've whiskey. all seen things. <laughs> you don't know, kid? <laughs> you don't know anything, kid. <laughs> This glittery beam filled with hearts and stars can blast an enemy to subdue their heartless attempts to harm others. <laughs> the stare does not hurt any enemies, and to the contrary, it can be used to heal their friends who have been hurt. It generally works by repelling the enemy by disgusting them, as the stare often results in the recipient uncovering or purifying their feelings toward another person or particular situation. So they just look at them until they say what they've done wrong, basically? Kinda. It's like, they, like, okay, so <laughs> I looked at pictures of it. What? Like you see the Care Bears, like, staring intently, and then beams of starlight are coming out of their stomachs. <laughs> And they have, like, a bunch of Care Bears lined up all staring intently and different colored beams are, like, coming out of different Care Bears. When people tell me about cartoons in the 80s, I just think, like, no, I can't. You can't. (laughs) You can't fool me. My friend tried to explain the plot to to Gumby once, and I was like, get the Mm -mm. fuck out. This can't be real. The Care... So they just stare, and then their stomachs shoot beams. I'm gonna show you the Care Bears. Oh, my... (laughs) I'm picturing it, like... A l- probably more unsettling than it actually is. Well, you've made a face, so now I don't know. Oh, Sorry, God. the image that popped up, they're like wearing raincoats and looking very stern. Why are they wearing raincoats? They live in clouds, don't they? Fuck if I know. <laughs> Where do they live when it rains? 
<laughs> oh no. What? <laughs> I can't wait. What? They're not even like. <laughs> wait. The fuck is happening here? They're not like angry. They are they in look, other ones. They look happy. Yeah, well, it's the pureness of like love. So they like doing this. These sadistic they, little bastards. They enjoy the pain of others, yes. This is the one that I like laughed at with the <laughs> They look confused. I know. They're just like stare at them, boys. Like <laughs> the blue one looks confused, the green one looks angry. <laughs> He's seen some shit. Oh and they're all in the rain. So I What? Okay, yeah. we'll post those on the because I need everyone to experience this. They're just staring. Which, I mean, yeah, it's called Care Bear Stare, so this makes sense. They should stare, but they're not even... What? <laughs> they look high as fuck! I know. So... What are they doing? Okay, how does this... Hold on. Okay. How does this connect? Yes. I'm, I'm glad you asked. Sorry I got off there. I got a little off on a tangent. No worries. So, <sighs> after I like, went back to it, I tried to look up other examples of the Care Bear Stare, Okay, so in Harry Potter, like, what you do to Boggarts is, like, a variation. Oh, okay. Uh, or what Meg does to her brother Charles in A Wrinkle in Time, where she's like, I know you're in there. Yeah. It's basically where someone that's good is trying to, like, bring the goodness out. It can also be, like, through the power of love. Like, that's connected. It's like what What's-Her-Face tried to do in American Werewolf yeah. in London, where she's like, I love I you. I love you. And he's like, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> So in The Conjuring, it's when Lorraine puts her hand on Carolyn's forehead. Like, oh, she's leaning yeah. through the floorboards and, like, shoves her hand on Carolyn's forehead. And Look at the beach! She's Yeah, she's trying to remind her of her love for her family by showing her the beach trip they'd conveniently talked about earlier in the movie. It's nice. That's, and so, like, Thank it's, God she knew about that beach trip. She did that Care Bear stare. She did that yeah. Care Bear stare. That part is very good, though. Like, it really creeped me out. Her mm-hmm. face is so weird in that. Because she looks like her, but just not quite right. And she's making those weird, like, half laugh, half crying sounds. Yeah. That part's also very scary. And she's like, ah, 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 ah. Like, <laughs> I was like, what are you doing? You're freaking me out. Oh, God, no. Oh, oh that part gives me the jeebies. The part that I really just, like, so one of the tropes that we've talked about before, which is just pretty straightforward, it's called yeah. adult fear. And it's yeah. like, these are the things that adults are afraid of. It's mm-hmm. like my child being lost. It's right. not like my child being eaten by a murderous clown. It's just my child being able to be, like, unable to be found. I don't right. know where my child is. I'm scared. So it's, like, these things that are just, like, very primal fears mm-hmm. to, like, adults because they know things. Yeah. Uh, or, like, they've experienced the world. But to me, like, after that scene, you it's very, like, heartwarming. You see Carolyn, like, being tackled by her family members with love. And they're this right. big cuddle puddle. But I'm, like, if I was April... I would not, like, I would have I to seriously unpack it. Because her mom tried to stab her with scissors. Yeah. And it's, like, crawled through the floor to be, like, oh, You know you. she's possessed because no adult could manage a crawl space that quickly no unless way. they were possessed by a demon. No way. Because she's just, like, so spry and she, like, throws her soul That creeps me out, too. As yeah. soon as she goes, I found her, she just takes off. And I'm, like, ooh, you scary bitch. Um, but, no, like, April, well, the entire family needs therapy. But, 100%. like... I, it if I was April, I would be afraid of my mother's hugs. I would see my mom and be like, are you going to kill me? Yeah, I'd be like, are you sure? Because, like, even though if I had gone through the situation, I don't care if I had been like, oh, yes, I know there's a ghost. I know there's a... I'd mm-hmm. be like, but are you still going to stab me with scissors? Like, come on. Are you? Like, be honest. I <laughs> legally have to tell me if you're going to stab me with scissors. Yeah, like, oh, hey, my mom listens, and I just want to tell her, I love you so much. Oh, but yeah. if you did try to stab me with scissors... I'd be a little weary yeah. of you. I Just a little bit. Like, I love you, you know, with all my heart, Mom. Mm-hmm. I love you. Kiss. But, you know, don't uh, don't stab me with scissors. Don't. And if you do, 
I'm gonna be unsure. Yeah. <laughs> I will I, be uh, slightly frightened in the just future. Just a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? That, do you hear that? I think it was a motorcycle, but it sounded like a it cow. It sounded like a cow. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, Murr. I know that it's not going to pick it up, but yeah. so we were just quiet for a second. All I heard was, <laughs> and I do not live near a farm. We're in the city. <laughs> we're in the city. <laughs> Weird. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I just had to talk about that phantom cow and getting stabbed by my mother. Was yes. Just in case it ever happens. Two very related topics. Yeah. Yes. They, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Hand in hoof, if you will. <laughs> you just looked so serious. I didn't hoof, if you will. <laughs> if you will. If Sorry, you will. If you'll indulge me. <laughs> we gotta rate this movie. We gotta rate this movie. I don't have any any preconceived ideas of how to rate this. Uh, we got, you know, plates, pancakes. Mm. You got um, mute haunted music boxes. Ooh. Oh, scary balls. Well, hold oh. on. <laughs> as soon as I said it, I was like, maybe not scary balls. <laughs> Um, one thing that I was thinking of. Yes. Okay. So, you know, when April first finds the music box? Yeah. Like the little circus music box? I was like, you are sitting underneath a tree that is older than sin. What good do you think will come from this? Nothing. And so I'm just like, tree as old as sin? Tree as old as sin? Tail as old as time? (laughs) Tree as old as sin. (laughs) I'm going to remake that whole thing. Yep. (laughs) Um, I love tree as old as sin. I also... Uh, beach trips. Uh, beach um, trips. <clears throat> There's so many. There's just nostalgic so many flashbacks. Never ending daughters. Oh my god! Endless daughters. Endless daughters. There's just so many. Every time I was like, I think too I got many them. daughters. Too many daughters. <laughs> I would give this uh, five too many daughters. <laughs> I feel like it has to be too many daughters. It's got to be too many daughters. Like, don't get me wrong. If you've got five kids, that's fine. Cool. It's just that, like, man, after four, I was like, calm down. <laughs> I can only remember four of their names at once. I can only remember like one. And I still uh, Andrea, Nancy, April, Christine. I don't I know there's another one. Don't remember her name. Becky. No. <laughs> Susan. <laughs> uh, I'm going at my notes because I wrote I just, it down. I didn't know any of them. I didn't know any of them. I, I know their real names. I know one of them was played by Joey King. Joey Ooh. King? Is that her name? Oh yeah. god. I was just so confident. And I was like, remember how I just knew their names? <laughs> Now I have to look it up. Cindy. Oh, Cindy. <laughs> so in my yeah, notes. Yeah, Joey King. I'm right. Cool, cool, cool. In my notes, I have me trying to remember their names, getting distracted by a scare, and then going back and listing them again. So I have April, comma, Cindy, comma, Nancy, comma, child on top of the dresser. Andrew, Nancy, <laughs> Christine, Cindy, April. <laughs> you got there in the end. I didn't even try. I knew as soon as I, it started and they were like, these are our daughters. And there were like so many of them. I was like, cool. So Kate's going to make fun of me. I'm not going to know any of these. And I'm happy to know that you struggled. With oh, that. I was like, I seriously pray to Satan that Nikki will not ask me to. <gasps> the husband's name is Roger. Yes. I did it. Woo. Yes. Uh, speaking of, before we get into too many daughters, mm. um, I just want to give a shout out to Roger for being one of the few husbands in a horror movie who just from the bat, from the get go are like. Yeah, there's ghosts here. Yep. Like, he wasn't like, oh, I don't believe... He wasn't like Mika, who was just like, I don't believe you. Like, let's let's antagonize the ghost. He was just like, cool, we gotta fix this. I believe you. Now that's a good husband. <laughs> I, I appreciated Roger. I also feel like he came back from being a trucker, and he was like, I'm too tired. Yeah, there are ghosts. <laughs> 100%. He was like, I worked so hard, and now my daughter is just being wept on by a ghost. He was like, 
whatever you need to do to fix it, I'm here for you. And like, he, and he was absent for all of the like lead up stuff that is easy to dismiss. Oh yeah, and then he came home for like, okay, well, my wife was locked in the basement. Yeah. And my daughters He's were attacked screaming. by something. So it's like he came back like at the point where it's like you can't deny it anymore. Right. But he and he missed the stuff that they could deny. And mm-hmm. he still was like, it's fine. Like, I believe you. Anything yep. that happened before this happened to totally too, yeah. happened. So shout out to Roger. It's just rare for a man in a horror movie to not be an ass. Yep. And he was he was great. Uh, OK, I think I went first last time. Oh, did you? Yes, I did. I think. Uh, so now it's you. How many too many daughters? Oh. <laughs> what a sentence. I give this four too many daughters. Four too many daughters. All right. Yeah. Well, I could be swayed to give it more. I know. Um, because I find it <clears throat> thoroughly enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I think that everything that is done is done well. Mm-hmm. I don't think it breaks the mold. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Yeah. It so it's like, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. I no. thought you were looking at me to go and I was like, I'm not ready. No, I was just trying to think if I had anything else to add. And it's just like, I think this is a really well done scary movie that's fun to watch several times. But I also think that it doesn't do new things. It just does everything it, like classically very, very well. well. Yeah. Um, same. Yeah. Four too many daughters. Um, for the same reasons. And I'm genuinely like we're on the same page because I was like, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. I saw it many times. Um, but yeah, like watching it again after like a few years of just having not seen it, I was like, yeah, all the scares that I see in this movie are done so well and they really do scare me, but it's nothing super special. Like I'm not like, there are some horror movies that like I think about still where Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, that really got me. Like, like we still make jokes about ginger snaps because like it just sat with me so much. Like I just associated with it in a way that like. That movie's going to stick with me. But this one, very good movie. So good. If someone was like, hey, I'm looking for a really scary movie to watch, I'd be like, well, if you're looking for something kind of classic, just like The Conjuring. Yeah. But I would never be like, you have to see it. It's incredible. I would just say, like, if you're looking for a good classic scary movie, Conjuring's really good. Yep. Or Too Many Daughters. Definitely good. Yeah. But yeah, just not something I haven't seen before. Just I haven't seen anything done this well. That's all. So a really solid, respectable eight too many daughters total. Yeah, yeah, eight yeah, too yeah. many daughters, which a normal is too many daughters. Set. So many daughters. yeah, oh boy. Whew. So that wraps up our discussion. I think so. Yeah, yeah, we're done talking about the Conjuring one. If you enjoyed your time with us, we would greatly appreciate if you'd rate and review on Apple Podcasts. That really does help other people find our show, and it's sure also does. just like really cool reading what you say. Do love it. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Just Go With It on both of those. And every Wednesday, we'll post the movie for the week and. When I'm reminded, I I'll put where to find too. it. But it's on Netflix. It's is it mm? really? Did you watch it with ads somewhere else? No, this one. Yeah, I watched it on HBO. Oh, I thought I didn't know it was on Netflix. It's on Netflix, yeah. See, look, if we don't post it, even I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start putting like a note I in need my to notes. Do that app. too. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> Anyway, check out the extended show notes on her website, justgoolwithitpod.com, or maybe even take a look at her Patreon at patreon.com slash justgoolwithit. And we'd like to take this opportunity Yay. to thank our patrons. We have a new one this month. Woo! So we have Kim, Kelly, Nihar, Will, Rachel, Kelsey, Sula, Tim, Beth, and Kayla. Yay! Thanks, y'all. Thanks, everyone. The intro and outro music was created by Anthony Rockazella, and the cover art is by our very own Nikki Solomon. Who? Who, me? It's me. Uh. <laughs> I don't, I usually have a really great way to end it. I, you know, uh, what, what, what's something? Um, uh, uh, a panic and Kate. Uh, I thought you said a pancake. A pancake. A pancake. It makes sense. <laughs>
Let's go get pancakes, fuck. Oh man, I want pancakes. That one was a real whirlwind, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, should I move my mic closer? <laughs> closer? Closer. <laughs> <laughs> Oy vey.